Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation with two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and the world of pop culture. So we decided to combine the two. I'm Kara Kirby. And I'm Virginia Martinez. We work with organizations all over the world to inspire and implement people-first practices. We're here to talk about navigating the workplace, and we do it through the lens of great television. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone. We are now episode eight of season three, You'll Never Have Paris. So lots of good things to talk about in this episode. But Virginia, can you first give us one of your beautiful recaps of what this episode is all about? Well, we get to see... Thank you, by the way, that they're, you call them beautiful. <laughs> Always makes me feel nice. But um, we see this montage. Uh, Richmond's on a winning streak. They finally figured out total football. It was a little clunky at first, but they got it going. Excitement's up. Fans are excited, etc. cetera. Um, we also, in this episode, there's, a, there's two sort of um, big plot lines, you could say. Michelle Ted's ex- it comes to London with uh, Dr. Jake, the, their couples counselor, and drops off Henry uh, for a long weekend. And we find out that Jake is taking Michelle to Paris. Ted starts freaking out um, because Michelle always wanted to go to Paris. He never took her. He's convinced himself that Jake's going to propose. Um, and we'll talk We'll unpack that in a little bit. Um the other big thing is that a sex video of Keely is leaked on the internet, not just Keely, a bunch of stars. And it's like a big, you know, tabloid, you know, gossip thing that's, and um, Keely obviously is feeling really vulnerable, embarrassed, but not ashamed, doesn't really know how to handle it from a professional perspective. And uh, we see Jack kind of trying to balance this, like, She's her girlfriend, but also her boss and has to take care of the company's reputation. Um, and yeah, that's pr- that's pretty big. So and then, you know, and then there's also like Henry being in town and stuff like that. So where would you like to start? I think that a big theme in this episode and it's the main theme throughout this episode is Ted and rumination. So I think we need to have a good juicy conversation about this because I think rumination happens in life. And I also think that it happens in the workplace. So let's talk about our experiences with it and how do we, how do we help ourselves? How have we helped ourselves? How have we helped others get through it? Yeah. Um, what, let's define rumination just, just in case someone's because honestly, and I'll tell you why I'm not like, Oh, people like, because someone asked me this, like, well, do you usually, are you susceptible to ruminations? I'm like, what do you mean? And then they described it. And I was like, Oh yeah, I do that all the time. And, <laughs> um, I think it's both a looking back and replaying things that have happened, but through this, like, lens of um okay slight tangent they there's these things that you'll see like how music makes such a difference in a movie like if the background Mm. score is like upbeat you assume that's what's happening is friendly but if the background score is like ominous you assume that what's happening is scary right like so ruminations are basically going back and putting an ominous score on everything (laughs) and assuming sort of making up potential forward 
you know, stories again with this like ominous score, right? Like you are just, you can't, you're just replaying things and playing things forward, but through a very specific lens and you can't get out of it. You can't, um, yeah, like break yourself out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's like an immersion. So it's like something terrible happened to you. And I would say, I think, it's it's interesting too that like when something bad happens, so what we see this with Ted, right? Like he's in a breakup. Like so our minds are so easy on us to go to like the dark side to tell us every like especially if it's in the future, right? Like if you ever need to make a big move in your life, your brain's going to tell you every horrible thing that is going to happen because it wants to keep you at status quo. But whenever it's like whenever we're leaving a company or we're leaving a person, so if you ever gone through a breakup, your mind will ruminate on all of the good things, which I think is a really interesting mm. phenomenon that happens. So it'll play all of all of like the wonderful things that happened in that company or it'll play all the wonderful things that happened with that person. And that's your rumination. I can't get yourself out of those thoughts because, and I don't actually, I should probably do some research on this, but I just know that it happens to everybody. Cause I like, I, I think breakups are a really interesting thing in life because it's a lot of grief. Yeah. And and, um, and it really can break people down. And so like, I always like to talk to people when they're in that moment and I like, and help them through it. And that's something I always bring up. I'm like, what your mind is doing is it's replaying all these like wonderful, like we're romanticizing mm-hmm. what happened inside of that relationship, even though that might not have been the truth. Like for some reason, your mind doesn't want to replay all like the terrible fighting and all like the toxic behavior. It's like, no, these are all the great things that happened in that organization. These are all the great things that happened that relationship interesting okay because i always thought rumination happens when folks are experiencing depression or anxiety and it was often about thinking back on something like thinking back on something you said at a party that like 10 years ago they're like oh my god i can't believe i said yeah it's dwelling on a thought it's dwelling on a story yeah dwelling on a story yeah i think it's yeah um and what I mean, it's what, what what do we take away from Ted that he thinks there's still a chance that they're going to get back together? I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's like he's not saying anything or doing anything to suggest that. He's just sort of once again going with the flow, but I don't know. But you do see that they they set it up where like Michelle laughs at all his jokes, but not Jake's jokes. And they like mm-hmm. finish each other's sentences. And so you're like, get a little glimmer of that. There's something there. And and I don't know. I left that. I'm like, does this just mean they're like really close and care for each other and are good friends? Or does this mean they're still in love? I don't know. I couldn't really take anything away from that, but he, yeah, I think that they're, I think that they're still, I think that they're still good friends. And what I took from that is that Ted isn't seeing the whole story. Like for some reason in this spiral that he's in, he is not letting himself see that Michelle actually might not be in that good of a relationship. Like in, in his spiral, he's saying, oh, this guy's so much better than me. He's taking her to, he's like romanticizing their relationship and, and like the guy's relationship with his son, like it's part of his grieving process. And he's not seeing that, like, they might not actually have a perfect relationship. And we see that at the end of this episode too, because because Henry goes and he gets in the car and he won't even, he doesn't want anything to do with Jake. And like Michelle and Jake aren't really like, she's like, Oh, we had a just okay time in Paris. Yeah. 
Well, and, he's so like and, he's so he sucks. Ugh. Yeah, he, yeah, he sucks. He's uh, such a he's such a bro. <laughs> um, for me, like between um this Ted and Michelle, you know, Paris thing, and um Keely and the sex tapes. There was like a theme around like whether you want to call it privacy or ownership or jealousy or like not letting go and things like that. I because what ends up happening with Ted is and this is a really interesting thing. He asks this. This felt really out of character. He asked Rebecca to get a private investigator to follow them. And I remember when this came out, this episode came out, someone wrote like here we thought that. Ted Lasso was this antidote to like toxic masculinity. And in this episode, he basically pays someone to stalk his ex-wife. And yet we're supposed to feel sorry for him in the process. Like he feels like mm. a sense of like jealousy and ownership to the extent of invading her privacy. And yet it's written in a way like, oh, poor Ted, he's heartbroken. And so I, I'm not, I don't feel that strongly, but I did feel like it was extremely out of character. I was surprised they wrote it for him because of that reason. Cause I was like, it is a complete invasion of privacy. It is assuming that you have a right to know something that does not include you. Um, and you see Rebecca, you see the diamond dogs tell him like, no, I thought that was weird. I I thought that was a weird um thing they gave Ted. It 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 definitely felt a little gross. I get that. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think about it through that lens. But I think that what they were doing was they wanted everything to lead up to that moment that was really powerful. So the moment at the end of the episode where Rebecca's like, "You're not living in the moment." Yeah. Like, stop. You know, she's like, you yeah. have this little boy and he's, you have this, like this, you're outside on a beautiful day and someone's singing a Beatles song, which is your favorite band. And you're not living in the moment because you're so obsessed with, with what might happen yeah. with somebody else. Yeah. And, and it like, and it finally like makes them snap out of it. For sure. And so I don't, yeah, I don't know what else I get, I get that, but I don't know what else they could have done to like, almost like get him to rock bottom to see what yeah. he's doing. Oh, for and sure. And to like snap out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get, I get it that it was like a plot device because not only, I, I agree that like really beautiful moment at the end where they're outside of the pub, gorgeous day and everyone's singing Hey Jude and, and, and Rebecca tells him exactly what you just said. And even prior to that, when he, you know, gets the diamond dogs together and oh my God when Higgins sprints down and he's like, so out of breath. <laughs> I love Higgins. I love Higgins so much. But um, then that great line, like you got to find out before you flip out to your point, like don't create stories. Don't um, assume hard, easier said than done. Oh, absolutely. But this, like he was sort of creating all these narratives that fit to like justify how he was feeling, which was like, my life is, that's it. It's officially over. Our family is mm -hmm. like, and so therefore I need to create this narrative that they're, they're going to definitely get engaged. And this is terrible. And I'm justified in getting a private investigator and all this stuff, but um, find out before you flip out. I thought was great advice. And also like, you know, try to like, if you keep obsessing about the past and the future, you're not going to live in the present. Very cliche, but it's true. And again, yes, yeah, easier said than done. 
Because <laughs> that's what we want to do. We want to, uh, you know, we want to make up all these stories and all these narratives of what might happen, even though it's it's not, it might not be the truth. It might not be the reality of the situation. Yeah. We also see that uh, Nate tried to organize his own diamond dogs. What do they call The love hounds. <laughs> It's so sad. Yeah. Why don't you tell us what happens with the love hounds? So Nate brings everybody together for a love hounds meeting. And he, and it really, he just needs to talk about his girlfriend. He needs to talk about Jade. Um, so he, th- and he thinks he could just replicate what Ted did and form that closeness in that group. But it just, it falls over. It's like a lead balloon. Like it's just not, it does not go over well. It's a lead balloon. And also he like cut someone off. He's like, yeah, yeah. We, we're not going to talk about your sick mother right now we're going to talk about me and 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 whether jade is my girlfriend or not so it was like (laughs) he's trying to replicate the things that he got out of the diamond dogs but he was not replicating creating the space for something like diamond right so i think that was the learning lesson yeah he didn't put in the work in the beginning and now he's just trying to put in the mechanism and the mechanism doesn't work yeah um keely 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 oh keely once again you guys did her dirty. You really. Uh, so with our girl, you could have done so many great. I mean, just just to end that last season with her on such a high, and then bring her down. I just, yeah, okay, really, keep going. You no, know, I agree. They, like, and 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 they were already setting her up as this like flighty, ditz, naive, clueless lady, and then it's also like now with the sex tape. I mean or video, whatever, I guess we don't have tapes anymore, but you know what I mean? I, and they're trying to allude to pretty woman. Oh yeah. With the dress, with the dress. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Uh, Why? Like, I can't. I know. I know. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, it's so sad, you know, I mean, obviously her, her privacy was invaded. There's this whole conversation about keeping, um, in the locker room, like, if someone sends you a photo, what do you do? And I, I was, I mean, like people were it's like, like be a good know. human online and, and yeah, delete and, them. And Don't person, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Delete the photos. Even if like someone sent it to you, like it is there. It, it might've been like, um, uh, when you were together or for that moment that it is not yours to, um, well, the reason it was like, it's not ours to keep is because we are targets of being hacked. And so we, by keeping these photos on our phone that women send us, um, or in Colin's case that like men send them, like, uh, put these others, innocent people who, who don't need to be dragged through the public, you know, like at, at risk. And so we have a responsibility to delete these photos on the, you know, for that, for their safety, for their privacy. And, you know, there was differing of opinions right in the locker room but ultimately they all started deleting their photos we find out that it was um the video that leaked was actually one that like keely had sent to jamie a long time via email not phone and he's like listen i deleted everything i really did when you started getting serious with roy but i forgot about the emails and she's like don't tell me your password is password (laughs) and he's like yeah but i thought i tricked them by putting two s's So he came clean. He owned up to it. Um, Just saying Jamie would have been a much better candidate for this pretty woman story than Keely writers. Absolutely. (laughs) But um, 
in that whole vein of like jealousy and ownership and not letting go and invading of privacy. Also in that vein, when Roy goes up to Keely in the parking lot to apologize, Mm. he ends it by asking like, who was it for? Like he can't, you know, like Keely's not yours. Like you don't need to know that that's not the point. And um, we're really disappointed. I mean, she's disappointed, but I think the audience is too. Right. Um, I don't, I don't have much, I don't have much to pull on here for organizational development and leadership development. I mean, we did our best last episode with like strings attached to wieners, but this one, I have one more. Okay. I have one more on this. Okay. So this is something I've been noticing that's really interesting. And I think especially with chat GPT coming on the coming in into the scene is fake corporate communications. Hmm. So not fake, but just um, not genuine. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so so that's we're seeing we do see an example of this. So what happens is is that Jack's lawyers end up preparing a communication for Keely to yeah. send out about like, you know, it's just a bunch of garbage, right? A bunch of jargon and and apologizing for what happened. And Keely says no. And then Jack comes back and she's like, I have a better statement. And then Keely, Keely says no, because Jack tries to shame her. And she's like, how do you think this makes me look? So I, I think that something that is interesting to think about there is that if, if there is a communication that comes out from someone that d- is not true to who they are. So I think a lot of organizations are doing this lately. Like they'll send out a communication and it'll be like, this change is happening, or this is why these layoffs are happening. And there's no heart behind mm-hmm. it. Like you can just see that it's like a computer writing it. and Or your legal it, team. It, it, yeah. <laughs> or your legal team. It doesn't, it just falls flat. Like it's not, it's not, creating the results that you probably want because there has to be a heart behind it. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole, there has to be honesty, right? Like there has to be honesty and it has to come from a genuine place. I think for a long time, uh, everyone just sort of got by with CYA, right? Cover your ass Mm -hmm. uh, messages and, and, and communications and they could check this box. Well, we said all the things legally that we need to say. We, we are, we are, mitigating risk we are diminishing sort of the the destruction that's already happened you know and it's all related to bottom line you know whatever that's that's what the company's gonna do right they they are nervous to lose whatever customers users etc um what i found interesting too is i i'll admit i had a real tension with how this played out with the statement and um keely because as her friend, for example, like, yeah, you shouldn't be ashamed. Like your privacy was invaded. You were taken advantage of, like you were essentially like, you know, in, in many ways, there's, this is a violation. Um, and yet I hear you that inauthentic cover your ass communications fall flat, but like some, I don't, I'm not saying I sided with Jack because I really don't like Jack, but she should have said something. She, she should have said something. And here's the thing. This is why, again, they're doing Keely dirty. Like she could have said something that was from the heart, mm-hmm. but like, it didn't even end there. Like 
I, I think she she runs her own PR company. Yeah, like she, yeah, she would know what to put out there. Like at some point, you learn about crisis communications, and so I was a little like, I'm like, listen, you don't have to say something completely fake. You can make it more authentic. You should not be ashamed. I get that, and also, and also, these are the investors funding your company. You run your own PR company, like you. You are very much in the public eye, even if it's like no comment because this is a private matter. Like you have to say something. She could have made it a moment of strength, right? She could have been like, "Yeah, there, there, there was a missed. I don't know. I just." I yeah. One more thing about this too, because I think that like we're not communication experts. Well, you kind of are, but um, <laughs> I'm not a PR expert. No, but like, so this is like a really tangible example of what I'm seeing is is companies return to office announcements, mm-hmm. or where where they're like you know forcing people to come back to the office. Like that, I I think that that is the number one place to lose trust with your employees is like making up like why you're having people come back to the office. And what are companies it, it, saying? Oh, it's for collaboration and innovation, yada, yada, yada. And culture. Like people, Our culture. And culture. Like, you don't give a shit about that. You have your stocks tied up in real estate, and that's fine. Like, you have a bunch of educated adults that work for you. So just say, we are confused. We don't know what to do. We bought this building three years ago and the rent is up, like is skyrocketed. Maybe there's some kind of government (laughs) kickback you're getting. Just say like this works for our finances. Just be honest because if you, you by sending out that communication, like Keely, if Keely would have sent out that communication with all that jargon, she would have completely lost trust and the people that believed in her honesty. Like that's what companies are doing with all these bullshit return to office communications is that they're making people just be like, okay, all right, I'm being lied to. So I'm going to go back to the office because of this lie. Yes. And I, having worked on a couple of projects like this with clients, um, what ends up happening, even at the attempt of being really authentic, I'm I'm going to look, I am not saying people, let me be very clear. I'm not saying people need to be at the office all the time. I think the flexibility that work from home has offered us is like change the way we're going to work forever. However, when people are authentic, employees are like too bad, not my problem. <laughs> and so, okay, okay. Well, maybe, okay. Well, we'll just debate this for a second is that it's still happening when they make up their bullshit excuses, when they're saying it's for collaboration and culture and innovation. Yeah. Right. So if they're, so, so they're still getting the same reaction when they're saying it's collaboration, innovation and culture. Right. Yeah. But, but, but at least people don't feel like they're being lied to because I feel like when an employee body feels like they're being lied to by the corporate overlords, by the leadership team or whatever that should, like then they lose trust in the company and they don't they yeah. like that will send engagement right out the window. Yeah. So neither one of the situations works. No, I agree. And I and I will tell you too that not everything needs to be an email, folks. Like sometimes the old town hall, whether in person or virtual, or just small group meetings, if you need to build a hearts and minds campaign where you are going to have these sort of more authentic conversations and show some vulnerability and you don't want to bullshit, 
like you need, it needs to be a conversation. It cannot be a newsletter. It cannot be a pamphlet. And uh, I think that's something that folks get wrong. Not everything is an email campaign. You're actually talking about hearts and minds campaign, which is a little bit more, you got to be more thoughtful about. Um, yeah, you can't, you can't email your way through behavioral change. Sorry, folks. You heard it here. Sorry. Sorry, Elon. <laughs> can't tweet or X your way out of buddy. Yeah, buddy, you should stop. Like you should just delete your email and Twitter. You know, yeah. Very few folks know this. Elon listens to this and (laughs) (laughs) he's like on, he's on Twitter X, whatever right now. And he's like, those girls, (laughs) yeah, those women, their daddy never gave them a company and they did all these things with it. (laughs) Yeah. No, um, I'd find a way to, to, to block him. Um, and if he did listen, I would just, I, I hate that man. So I can't even go on that tangent. I don't have the energy, but, um, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I think one thing that's really interesting too, and I just saw this, um, that what JM Smuckers was called out for this. Um, and I, what, what I found their back to work policy or what have you, or, or return to office and that people seem, I don't know, we got to look at the data, you know, cause these, these magazines and these publications are all like working in the office is great. <laughs> you know, they're putting out all this like propaganda essentially, like who is paying you to write this? So I do, I'm a little, I saw, I saw this one the other day where it was like, women are going to get like fat and wrinkly, but for yeah. being in their hopes, it's yeah. like, they're- shut Oh, not with this <laughs> Zoom filter. I'm not. No, but um, uh, yeah. Sorry. So they're putting out this propaganda. Well, about so it's hard to tell like what's real or not, and I haven't dug into the actual data and like you know is it validated? But you know the 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 headline is like you know JM Smuckers you know actually actually somehow figured out to do a a return to office policy that that employers employees at least don't hate. You know, and when I read through it, I was like, wait a minute, this is what I'm telling companies to do. You know, so I don't know who it them but whoever it was they were genius so essentially <laughs> look people don't want I, I think to your point like people don't want some lie but 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 if you can be straight with people like look we get it you don't have to be in the office all the time not everything is a collaborative moment we're not you know innovation we we can we can plan for it or whatever we can create space for it however there are certain things where it just works better when we're in person. So you need to decide as an organization, you need to take inventory, sure. like however your organization is set up, whether it's department or whatever, or t- and maybe there's one weekly meeting that makes sense. Maybe not. Maybe it's a monthly thing that makes sense. Maybe it's a week that makes sense. Maybe. So like you have to look at sort of how your um, organization at the team level and then sort of move up gets together. And the very key, be very, um, what's the word discerning here about what really matters and say, these are whatever you want to call them, cornerstones, key anchor, core activities, core events, core moments, core meetings. And that is when it matters. Look, the rest of the time work from wherever you want during these very important core moments, we expect you to be in person and that's it. Yeah, no, if people can adopt that, if organizations could adopt that, they would be totally fine. I do a lot of team retreats. I do a lot of when people are getting together, they haven't ever met in person or getting together for the first time and they are so energized and happy to be together that it, like people want to be together, but there has to be intentionality behind it or else you're just 
you're just do you're just doing something because you don't trust that people are working yeah. at home. Yeah. And no matter no matter what kind of lipstick you put on that pig, people see right through it, yeah. right? Like it's that the lipstick ain't working. Like you have to be honest, or it's not going to work. In my humble opinion, no, for sure. And when we say like there has to be intentionality around that that convening that meeting, I also you have to design it. You can, you can't. It's not plan. It's different than planning a meeting right you have mm-hmm. to design it and um i know you and i have talked about this book uh before but the art of gathering right by priya mm-hmm. parker read it read it read it it's <laughs> it's about how we meet and why why it matters it, it whether you are planning a dinner party a wedding an office retreat uh you know a weekly check in it really talks about like very tangible examples of how to plan something with intentionality yeah I love it. All right. Anything else on this? We've got, this, this episode was all over. We've got Paris. We've got sex videos. We've got, <laughs> we've got the Beatles. <laughs> we've got Ted getting out of his rumination spiral. It's, it's all good. It's all there. Ted displayed toxic masculinity, hiring a private investigator. <laughs> I don't, I don't see it that way. I think he just needed to know, he needed to just know was, if they were going to get engaged or not. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, don't you think it's an invasion? I think of you, I, I, it was very out of character. And to your, yeah, you, you said yeah, he, was rock yeah. bottom. he was rock bottom. He was rock bottom. He didn't yeah. even recognize was, himself at that point. I, no, I know. I'm, I, I'm not saying he's a terrible human. I just, I think he, he, he was outside of his norm. He hit a point also, where. Where was Dr. Sharon? Isn't he talking to her? Why didn't he call her? I know. Well, you know. This- what, a bit of, what a bit of an opportune time to call call his girl. Yeah, we love Dr. Sharon. You're right. I think you and I should write season four or at least advise <laughs> on it. Advise. Can you imagine? We're like, mm, Keely would never do that. We're <laughs> like, mm, I don't. I don't think I don't like that. Sorry. No, I don't really <laughs> see Jade saying that. Mm. <laughs> that's how that's how yeah if you hire us actually that's the voice we make at all times yeah just like mm, no i don't mm. like that <laughs> my girls refer to it as the sassy girl voice mm, it's like a kind of an evolution of the valley girl they're like mm, i don't mm. think so mm. they do this weird <laughs> i'm like where did you get this but um yeah well sassy girls at your at your service <laughs> sassy girls at your service <laughs> I, I, we need to just end this because we have gone off. Okay. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.